witticism. Colloquialism. Segway. You're such an egotist. Yes. By the way, guys, I'm really humble. Well, how do you do? Now when you get for free. Oh, God, it's awful. Bad Philosophy, episode 149, recorded on January 23rd, 2014. Downstream monochrome. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy, upsetting the balance of reality. One rabbit trail or weird mind control worm at a time. Uh, we're back, and I am your host, Stephen Torrance, and I'm here with two of my favorite people in the world. Oh, I have a lot of favorite have. people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a broad category. These are some of my I'm favoritist blushing. people. There, there are people he hates less than us. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Kevin Saunders. How's it going? Hey, welcome back, Kevin. Um, you brought beer. You brought Session Lager. Yeah, which... it's from, like... Detroit, maybe it's like the clearest beer I have ever it's, seen. It's a lager. Like I was, yeah. I was looking recently because I drink a not small number of beers in my life. <laughs> um, that like there's this big push for IPAs lately, and IPAs are just a lot of beer to drink at once. Yes, they are. Um, super bitter things like that. Um, there's your box, but there, we've had this explosion of sort of microbrews, and mm-hmm. not really microbrews, but. Claiming to be microbrews, your shiners, your ablitas. Yeah. Um, ablitas? Abitas? Abitas. Abitas. Sorry. Um, ablita, abita. Ablita, abita, 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 I don't want to have to <laughs> contemplate it when I'm drinking it. I want a beer that tastes like beer. And a beer is like, most traditionally, just a lager. You know, it's nothing complex. It's straightforward. And I, I discovered these at HEB um, called the Session Lager. The, the mm-hmm. idea of a Session beer is something you sit and drink over the course of a day. Yeah. Um, as just sort of, you know, you, you have a session, a, a beer drinking session. Yeah. And you drink a lot of beers. Um, and I tried it out and I dug it. And so I bought a couple uh, 12-packs since then. Oh, Okay. And uh, that laughing voice you heard a little bit earlier is Brian Morgan. Welcome back to Bad Philosophy. How's everyone doing? Pause real quick and see if you can remember the last time Brian was on the show. I, I doubt it's your probably you probably can find it. It was a very forgettable episode, <coughs> not because of Brian. Wait, I've been on twice. Yeah. I've been on twice. You have. To be yes. fair, mm-hmm. it was Catherine's favorite episode in a long time. My oh, sister. really? She she loves that episode. We're talking the fiasco because yeah. it was yeah. because okay. it was basically tabletop. Well, I mean, <laughs> she like she dug it. She said, like, <laughs> "My mother." Not so fond. Not so fond. Um, <laughs> but Catherine really liked it. So what, what didn't your did mother you... like about the fiasco episode? I don't know the details. Probably did... the, the cursing didn't help. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably curse. I'm yeah. in, in horrible accents, I'm assuming, too. Mm. Yeah, that seems about right. Um, <laughs> on that note, I mean, just to continue this rabbit trail, Jesus. Um, last night, uh, um, Sebastian, and uh-huh. uh, had, he hosted a, an improv night at his house. Hmm. Um, or at, at the house where uh, there's one other guy who's been on at Bad Philosophy. House. At his house. Um, John Fortenbury, who y'all might recall from the episode where he basically came out as an atheist. It was a very, it was a very <laughs> I big I wasn't moment. on that episode, so I don't remember. It was a good one. Um, I forget exactly the name of it, but it was, it was a good episode. Anyways, he was there and a few other friends. And we, we basically did like an improv from first principles type of a thing. Where hmm. we had we did some warm up exercises. We kept we sort of talked through like what rules we would expect there to be in this environment, which things we were most comfortable with, and then just started with there's two people and you got thirty seconds, and one person sets the scene, and um, do we sort of rotated as as uh, one person went out and then the next person who came in got to. S- Set, set the scene and then you sort of one out one in one out one in mm-hmm. and it just kind of rotated around like that for a little while and then we the scenes eventually got longer and more characters would just sort of spontaneously come in and then it was like I'd, I've watched a lot of improv but it, it reminded me in a weird way of the fiasco thing which was basically improv it was basically like a, a more structured improv it's a structured yeah. Coen Brothers-esque improv uh-huh. and uh, but how it was just nice to be able to to be done with the character 
after like a minute <laughs> versus having to like bring them back in try and, something new and do other stuff which is something I've wanted to see and I've, I've done just the barest minimum of research looking for something like this mm-hmm. I like the idea of and what I'm calling the improvised sitcom mm. um, which is not what we have in TV now with a lot of like um, like Curb Your Enthusiasm which is Improvised dialogue under set circumstances. Yeah. Right. But like a set of characters that come together <laughs> once a week and create a new episode of a sitcom. So like the characters wow. are continuous, but the what happens isn't. Hmm. Um, I found one example of it. Um, a group that does a show called Naked in the Fishbowl in New York. And they haven't done it recently. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a group of four to seven women um, who have established characters that they portray um, in a sitcom set in New York, and they do improvised episodes. Hmm. Um, but I feel like there should be like we've dealt. We Stephen and I, you, you we go see um, long Pratt. form improv. Yeah, yeah long, I'm doing the Herald, um, which is only kind of long form. Um, it's still sketch based. Um, were you there when we saw the show No Frills? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no Frills was sort of the, a more super traditional long form. Three actors on stage, one scene for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so not the sketch sort of sort of stuff you expected, but yeah. just, and just <laughs> going and exploring and seeing where it ends up. And not super fast-paced necessarily, yeah. but developing a character and a moment and a personality within that moment from nothing. Um, there's another, there's a documentary called Trust Us, This Is All Completely Made Up. Where do they do the same thing? They improvise mm-hmm. an entire play. There's an episode of Radio oh, Lab about there's it. There's an episode of Radio Lab. And I've seen that. On Netflix. It was on stream on Netflix. Oh, cool. It's the guy uh, for from the, listeners from the Sonic Drop. Yes, Sonic one of the guys from the Sonic commercials is in it, which yeah. is amazing. Oh, He's apparently this genius improver, which you would never. Well, actually, if you see the Sonic, I Sonic like the commercials Sonic are actually pretty good. Yeah. I like the Sonic commercials. They're actually, and both those guys are improvers. <laughs> yeah. Most of that crap's just made up. Yeah, yeah they just they just go for a <clears> while. I'm totally those. okay with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so there's and so there's that sort of longer form improv that's mm-hmm. that's more unified within the moment. But what about these these experiences of creating, you know, established character or relationship? Mm-hmm. And exploring it in an improvised space for weeks or months, um, which is is something that I want to see more of. Like, I'm certainly not a talented enough actor to make it happen. Hmm. <coughs> like, I don't think I could do an improvised weekly sitcom. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's somebody out there who needs to make that happen. There, I saw, I didn't never saw it, but I saw a poster for it. Cold mm-hmm. Town Theater was doing something where it was like 90s sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And it was the whole, they would take like a show of it. They took some show from the mm-hmm. 90s and do an improv for the entire sure. show. Oh, and that each episode. person would be a yeah. character. And, and they ran this for, of... like, right, exactly. Oh, wow. So, so that, there, there's an idea. There's, there's a... Using, using a seed of, of a particular 90s sitcom that right. you know, pull out of a hat or something. Which is then, almost... It's better because you have, like, a little bit more material to work with. You always have you already have kind of the character fleshed out. It helps sell seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Because everybody's why, like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, that line, you know. I think it was... Was it Cold Town that did... Um, there was a group in Austin for a while. I think they're still around. They don't perform very often. That did um, start trekking, huh. um, which was an improvised Star Trek episodes, like improvised like classic Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, right, um, right. Well, which, there was a group that did the Doctor, <coughs> the Doctor Who thing. Well, yeah, there's the Doctor Who yeah. group. Oh, right, um, right. Which was surprisingly good. I watched them do it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you only need two actors for that. But you're talking about like an actual full like not sitcom based on anything else no but, but like you know let's let's you know take a, a sitcom trope like the hangout sitcom for example of which yeah. Friends is certainly an example right um, more recently Cougar Town and Happy Endings both fall into those tropes mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother is almost like that but it's a little too story driven yeah mm. um, but you know yeah. hang out with these group of people and watch them be people. Seinfeld um, yeah. is, is yes. not exactly a hangout sitcom it was too farcical for that but you know yeah. sort of yeah, a group of people interacting, um, mm-hmm. and I think it would be really neat, int- a neat idea to try for like six weeks or a month, and see what you can do with that. Because mm-hmm. each piece has to be self-contained. You're getting a new audience, right? But still have enough of character gener- character interaction and, and relationships that you could watch it one week and come back three weeks later and know who those people are already. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Okay. 
So well, upstream colors. Upstream <laughs> colors. Hey. So let me. Here, I'll go and start. So well, okay. well, first off, I, I've got to give the disclaimer at the beginning here. As always, major spoilers because that's what we do All the here spoilers. on that philosophy. Spoilers we, in the sense that it matters. Yeah. This Although, film doesn't Shane, matter if it's spoiled for you. Yeah, Shane yeah. Carruth called this a movie that could not be spoiled. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which I found. Kind of accurate. No, I just I could tell you every detail of what happened, and then you could still watch it and still not know what the hell happened. <laughs> or you could know what the hell happened, you could happened. but you, you could feel something very different. You would, it would impact right. you differently <clears throat> while you watch it. it. Yeah, there's just so there's not like a big shocking twist right. or an yes. epic climax. But, yeah, spoiler alert. Bruce, you know, if you... Bruce Willis is not dead at the end. No, no, uh-huh. it's not even in it. Thankfully, Dumbledore is, is <coughs> not killed by anyone. Um, <laughs> We're apparently also spoiling everything else <laughs> tonight. What else can we spoil? So, the Titanic um, sinks? I don't know. Who killed Soiling green, Soiling green is people. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie shot you Mr. Know, Burns. I, I really think the Soiling Green, you could get Soiling Green as people from the trailer. I don't think it's in the trailer. It, you, could, you could get it from the trailer. Yeah, but it's interesting because Soiling <laughs> Green, the, the movie, isn't really about that. No, I guess not. Right. Um, it's about overpopulation. He, he finds out, really. It's not like a spoiler. Like, no, no. It's the last line of the movie. It's the last line of the movie. Yeah. Like he but doesn't he find out really early? Mm-hmm. Man, it's been a long time since no, I've seen No, he spends that. the whole film leading up to that realization. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's like the wow. big thing. Fun um, movie fact for you. The original name of Soylent Green, the movie, and the short story it was based on, was called mm-hmm. Make Room, Make Room, uh, which I think is a very fitting name yeah. for the film. Hmm. What's funny is they changed the name because there was also a sitcom on television called Make Room for Daddy oh. that they did not want it to be confused with. Yeah, it would be very confusing. <laughs> make room. Make room for daddy. <laughs> hmm. Puts a new spin on Make Room for Daddy, though. Oh, it certainly does. the movie does. becomes sort of green. Oof. Okay. Um, Oof. So, so anyways, okay. upstream color. Upstream color. Yeah. So I saw it last night. For the first time. Uh, first time. Yep. And I've owned it. For four months. Mm-hmm. You bought it? I just watched I it on I bought it. Well, so my history was, like, Primer, like, is such a movie, like, hit me so hard as a filmmaker. Sure. Uh-huh. It, there's few films I could probably name that just, like, felt like you got kicked in the ass after <laughs> you saw it. And usually your mind just was totally f***ed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Inside and out. Uh, mm-hmm. Memento, when I saw it in the theaters, I was walked down like, what the hell did I just I see? I loved that movie. Yeah. I still <clears> love <throat> that movie. Um, Primer was another example of this. And sure. I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I didn't understand what I just saw. And I saw it the second time. I was like, I still don't understand what I just saw. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I saw it three weeks ago. I saw Primer again. I was uh-huh. warming myself back up for Upstream Color because Upstream Color felt like it felt like I needed to climb Everest in order to watch this. So I kept putting it off. Yeah. It's like, I, oh, I, I just don't feel up to I'm climbing not, Everest. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not in the right place for this movie. Really. <laughs> Which is why I still haven't seen Cloud Atlas. Oh, really? I really want to see Cloud Atlas. And I still haven't seen it because it's like, this is a movie that I have to put aside an evening right. for. <laughs> evening. Um, oh, by the way, everybody, we're recording at my house. <laughs> um, I'm, in new, I'm in a new house. I'm not in the house where we recorded Fiasco or... Fiasco. We didn't record Fiasco there. Yeah, we did. Mm, we nope. didn't record that episode of Fiasco. We, uh, we recorded you played Fiasco there. Oh. This was your apartment across from Yeah, the this was your center. first place where you lived. That's right. Since you've been That's right. doing bad philosophy That's in where places where you live. Um we played a different game of Fiasco. Anyways, we're in a different yeah. So, So, Cloud Atlas, though? I still haven't seen. Uh, it's not I'm, Everest. I don't want. <laughs> like I want to see. I mean, I've loved everything the Wachowskis really. have made. Speed Racer. Yes. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Crickets. I'm not going to defend the film because I think it's great. Um, I can see why people would hate it. I can see why people would be indifferent to it. Yeah. But I loved it. Um, I walked out of that movie going, "That was a blast." Um, it was not. It was not. <laughs> It was not the Matrix. No. I liked I liked Speed Racer. It wasn't more even Matrix Three. Than Matrix Three. I liked Speed Racer <coughs> more than Matrix Two and Three. Oh wow! Um, I'd give you three. I really hated three. If that ruined the entire like, there's certain things that just like yeah. ruin. Like it's so bad it ruined it almost retroactively retro- ruins. retroactively just ruins everything before it. No, the Matrix is still a goddamn good movie. It's, it is. It stands on its own as one of the seminal cyberpunk cinema experiences, and um, I, I don't think you can take that away by. But there's like this weight attached to it of crap that just pulls it down a little bit. 
It's not, you know, no, it's just, not bad. If you forget those movies exist, which I've that, mostly done. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I don't like, really I, I know there was a guy named The Architect. Yeah. yeah. There was a guy with a bunch of keys on his shirt. There was There were some twins. There was a lady yeah. on the park bench. Yeah, like like these these things come up to me, but they don't have any sort of arc or narrative significance to them. Yeah. Carries um, was Jesus all along. Well, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. He was he was the one. Neo. Neo. I guess I guess I could have connected them the first one, but uh-huh. I don't know. I don't they think just that's... really made it obvious. No, here's, I don't yeah. think that's where they were going with it. I, I think that's and what they went later. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that was an intentional. Neo, as in as in new, like that's the whole point of his name. Well, but were you the one? Yeah. Yes. He's not the second coming, so I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although apparently it was like the sixth or seventh. I didn't get that. Or like he's, apparently this or is all happened again. Or, oh right! No, no, no. Or, See, you've forgotten. Right. You're, you're right. <laughs> but really, we remember the Matrix and forget the that revolutions. Is true. A lot of it has been forgotten. He could have also thankfully. been. He could have also been uh, Eno. So, Eno. So Brian he Eno. He could have been Brian Eno. Eno. <laughs> um, I think that would have been a would have been a very <clears throat> intriguing take. Yep. On the Matrix verse. Mm. Nope. It's just Brian Eno. Yep. Making music. <laughs> All right, anyways, back to upstream color. Upstream color. color. <laughs> we are experiencing like a film upstream color where it seems like everything <laughs> diverges yep. and doesn't Which is appropriate sense. in its own so, way. Yeah. Um, brief note, let's shout less. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know how loud I need to talk. You don't need yeah. to talk loud okay. at all. Okay. It's, uh, it can hear just fine. So, like, this, is, this isn't much more. No, this is probably too quiet, but like right around here. When we get excited, we'll just like, put just our fingers good, on our noses. Just a good a good talking volume. Yeah. You're going to cut the mid-range out. Are you going to do the NPR, NPR voice? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today. Okay. We cut yeah. out Today. all of the interesting parts of your voice <laughs> to make it feel soothing. Soothing. Unpointy. Yeah. We're objective. We're NPR. So upstream color. Upstream color. Um, My movie of 2013. Which is, I think it's just funny that we're procrastinating on talking about it. And y'all were kind of both procrastinating on watching it. I don't know. No, I watched it as soon as it was on Netflix. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I watched it as soon as I possibly Which could. Which was, see, I saw it about six months ago. It was, um, it was about then. And then Brian just saw it last night. So, anyways, let's dive into the film. Um, some of the f- uh, maybe philosophical themes. Um, just from a cinematic perspective, you've got, Kevin, you kind of talked about the fact that it, it is, in your view, an arc of the life cycle of the worm yes of the parasite mm-hmm. of this this strange mind controlling parasite that grows from a strange flower that can only be pollinated by the dead remains of a baby pig well it's that not was pollinated by it it's, it's that like, I, I view that as like the eggs like uh, the eggs live inside of it it they die oh okay they go and grow into the orchid or become absorbed right. by the orchids turning them blue mm-hmm. that is the upstream color of the title right right um it's not that complex. And it's but, a, um, oh yeah, no, I, I was like, yeah. I saw that at the end, and I'm like, oh, okay. That's what the title right. means. Like That's primer, what the title yeah. I still don't know what primer means as a title. Uh, like, I love a mo- I love the movie, but what is what is primer? What mean? is what is primer? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They just needed a title. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. So it's the life cycle of the worm, and and mm-hmm. about the people who sort of take advantage of the the characteristics of this this rare naturally occurring thing. Um, you've got kind of the, the plant gatherer who's always looking for the orchids with mm-hmm. a specific... Because they're profitable. Yeah, because they're, they sell and they, they have sort of a, a drug effect in and of themselves. The kids at the very beginning. What's going on there? So the film opens up with kids taking... They make either a tea or uh, some type of drink. I think it was a tea, yeah. By pouring it over the worm. Right. They don't ingest the worm. They mm. So basically this is a they lighter version. Yeah. And from what I got at the very beginning of the film is that the worm gives you a connectiveness to other people that are taking the worm. Ah. Because there's two kids fighting. It's a and psychic worm. <clears throat> there's two kids fighting. One kid like turns, has his head turned. Of. And the hit kid, other kid tries to hit him and he instantly blocks it like yeah. he's Neo or something. Right, right. <laughs> um... Yeah, and it so, is. but it's like, <clears throat> it, but in their case, it's sort of like a temporary, <clears throat> right? It's a weaker thing. version, mm-hmm. and, and and so maybe that was that was him testing it, wasn't it? That was him like testing the potency. Oh, I think he knew about it ahead of time. I think it's a drug that they probably either like. Di- I don't know like, about the taking... kids know about it, but the guy definitely knew what he was doing. Yeah, like, the methodicalness of it is certainly important. Sure, and so so then he he sells the worms themselves though to. 
who we call what the, the thief. The thief. The thief is apparently his title. According well, to the, no, the thief is one that's developing the worms. The orchid people have no idea. Yeah, they just sell the worms. They just right. sell the, the orchid. The plant, they used to sell the orchid. They have no idea pretty. what the orchids, the orchids capable of. Uh huh. They're mm-hmm. ignorant of. Um, he buys them, the cultivates the worms from them, mm-hmm. um, and then uses them to take over people's lives. Yes, and money. And money, um, right? And it, and I mean, so it's... so, the, and then then followed by the I don't know the observer or the well, we, let's the, not, let's not skip the important part of that, the victim, the victim. I mean, yeah. he, who he forces to ingest the worm. Mm-hmm. Our introduction to the first main character, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, female Chris was that her yeah, name? Chris yeah, Chris sounds yeah. right. <clears throat> um, there's there's no dialogue in the film. Like effectively, well, not really. There's effectively there's a little dialogue. bit of dialogue, but it <laughs> doesn't make make a difference. It's mostly told through action and and, and, and imagery. Imagery, yeah. yeah, and and sound occasionally. <laughs> yeah, sound. Well, sound a yeah, sound yeah. is a huge part of mm-hmm. it, but not dialogue. Yeah. Right. Um, and so then the, the 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 victim becomes the host for this worm for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point they are. Their lives are ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy takes total advantage of the the mind control powers, um, in what I can't help but see as a rape allegory. Um, even though like date, actual, date rape type situation. Well, even beyond right? that, I mean, just just the the fact that it you know it's a little bit of a cliche, but people say you know uh, rape isn't about sex; it's about power. Power, and yeah. that's and that we see that in particularly in this particular thing because we never see him take sexual advantage of her. No, but the true. emotions you feel for her or I felt I should say um, for her were akin to that as if she had been I mean she was violated oh yeah um, she was taken advantage of um, in a very powerful and visually affecting way to me at least like I in that those I, I, 20 minutes or so were yeah incredibly difficult for me to watch mm-hmm. it's like the rape of her identity because mm-hmm. afterwards she loses everything mm-hmm. like her job and yeah. has to start over from scratch yeah um, which, which, and the film plays loose with time. So when yeah. we see her later on, we don't know how much time has passed, but we assume it's been a long time because mm-hmm. she's she has quote unquote been recovering. Uh-huh. She's been getting better. We can clearly see she's not better. Yeah, um, the worm is growing inside her. Well, no, well, no. Immediately after the worm's inside of her, oh, we, it's, we it's, she cuts. She cuts. She tries to cut. Right, right. Out. So, so she's under this. The thief yeah. takes him not hypnotic suggestion over her. Yep. Once he's done with her, he releases her, and these worms, once she starts eating, grow, or mm-hmm. worm, doesn't matter, either one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once she sees the worm in her body, she tries to cut it out, and that's where she meets the observer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who who either draws her <clears throat> to him, or she is I think drawn to regardless. The, no, yeah. I think um, the speakers on the ground are a method of collecting worms. I don't know if you get. He goes in the back uh, of the trailer, yeah, and he takes these loud speakers. He puts them oh, on the ground. Yeah. That actually heavy is vibration. a methodology of collecting like earthworms for bait. So that to me, oh. that's that's okay. a way. Of I can see that he oh. he 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 needs. She is drawn to him. She's drawn to him because of this, and he needs her to put take the worm out. Mm-hmm. And we see this whole procedure of him taking the worm out of her and yeah, putting so it into a pig. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch that the first time. So she yeah. like feels whatever that frequency is and is and, drawn and to it. Is drawn right. to it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so of, the worm is that the worm following the life cycle is then in the pig, mm-hmm. um, who eventually becomes pregnant, gives birth. Mm-hmm. Um, the farmer slash I think he's officially called like the the sampler. I think the sampler, the sampler. Yes, the sampler. Because um, yes. we see Ooh. him doing lots of music and sound sampling with his audio kit. Yeah, he does. He, he's a sound seer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And apparently, I also so I didn't know how much to prepare, so I <laughs> I probably over prepared. But apparently, what's going on, um, according to the director, is that the sampler is able to whoever the worm has touched, human wise, uh-huh. he's able to um, see what experiences they have. Yeah, I think I think that's obvious in the yeah. film. And but... he so he's obsessed with like sampling the, either the sounds through their lives. Or just their experiences. So yeah. he's not just sampling sound; he's also diving into them mm-hmm. um, and their their existence of these victims. Mm-hmm. Which is why I maintain he is not benign, right? Um, it's because it's very he's doing it for his. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, he's the he's more basically a voyeur, uh-huh. and and that idea of of living sort of by proxy through all of these people, mm-hmm. and you know taking care of the pigs as if they're proxies of the people is, is oh, yeah. the weirdest thing in the world. It's, it's just sort of it's like freaking creepy. Yeah, right. But the same, you're right. I can kind of see that, um, and and I think he can justify by saying, "Oh, I'm helping these people." <clears throat> yeah, um, but he's not doing it to help them. Mm-hmm. He's doing it for his own selfish reasons, and arguably, everybody in this cycle with the exception of the victim, is, is doing it for their own selfish reasons. The organ hunters are doing it to make money. Yeah. The sampler is doing it because he likes being inside your head. Mm-hmm. And the thief's doing it to make lots of money. Yeah. Um, which, I think there's a different level of maliciousness to each cycle, though. I, I don't think, know if it's the same. I think the point is a little bit, it doesn't matter how malicious it is if we perpetuate the cycle. Yeah. It's in, it, really, the movie is about breaking the chain. It's uh-huh. about breaking yeah. the cycle, and it's. A, I forget she she finds him. She finds the sampler. She finds the sampler. Um, um and and kills him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So well, should we get so? So she meets a to guy. To get to that point, I'm, I'm the reason I'm saying I'm yeah. like recalling the film. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so she eventually she comes across this guy, and they're explic- They don't know why they're attracted to each other. Yeah. But they are. And he makes this... I think he actually does a good job because I think he goes out of his way what little dialogue there is to show that if these two people met in different circumstances, they would not be attracted to each other because they really have no chemistry. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost this repulsiveness, like, but they can't pull away from each other. But they are... We, we kind of figure out they are bonded by their victimhood. Yeah. Um, through the, wor- through the worm, worms, literally, yeah. more literally making them psychically connected. They share each other's memories... And get confused about who who actually experienced what, um, right? Because there's a swapping of memories yeah. between the two, where they start arguing about no, that whose was childhood memories. That was my childhood, not yours. So their memories um, start getting switched around with yeah, each other. They, they are psychically linked to the worm, although yeah. less metaphorically, they are linked via their tragedy. Yeah, um, you know the the cuts on their arms are very reminiscent of someone you know attempted suicide. Right. Um, the the cut to remove the worm then looks like you know someone who tried to open a vein. Yeah. Um, or at least how that's <clears throat> depicted traditionally. Yeah. Um, and so there's that that related sort of victimhood is what actually ties them together. They realize sort of what what's been happening, and that's what eventually leads her to tracking down the sampler, um, and shooting him and yeah. breaking that chain. Um. And and stopping the color from flowing upstream. Um. <laughs> well, and the way so I don't think we did we cover that. So the way the color the um, oh, yeah, sampler yeah. the pig gets pregnant. One of the pigs gets pregnant, and there's a scene. So the, also the female in the movie also thinks she's pregnant mm-hmm. at a certain point. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then they tell her it's cancer, and she's not really pregnant. So yeah. she's psychically having this pregnancy that this pig's having that mm-hmm. she's connected to. Right. Right. So psychic worm. When the pig gives birth, the farmer takes the pigs, piglets. Yeah. And then throws them into a river. The river. And yeah. as soon as that happens, both the two main characters go berserk. Mm-hmm. Because they're psychically connected to these parents of the piglets, yeah, and something horrible had just happened to them, to yeah. the pi- their yeah. piglets. So they in turn react in their lives accordingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pigs uh, go downstream in a burlap sack. They end they up by die. this some yeah. oak tree, sure. yeah, a tree, a tree, a tree. yeah. Um, and they, they rot and, and mole rot. and rot and release a blue like substance. That mm-hmm. becomes the blue orchids on the tree. Yeah, that, the, that the normally white orchid <clears throat> absorbs, thus turning it blue, which can yeah. is the one that. that the hunters are looking for, the <clears throat> orchid hunters right. find and then sell and continue that cycle. And the guy's got a huge farm full of pigs that you suspect are all something that's been happening. This is, this is a cycle that has been existing... For a while. For a long time. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I think the movie's about... How do you think it. they eventually found all the people who were connected? The book? Who were victims? Yeah. Same uh, worm. No, no, it's because... So there's a scene when they're getting there in the farmer's place and they're kind Oh, of, he finds the... They're finding go through yeah. all the files. Yes. But they don't... Which you could easily just contact them, but it, but what they do instead is they send out the book Walden. Which yeah. is related to, to the actual them. incident because he uses... He makes the her... Thi- the thief uses... 
the book Walden. Yes, you transcribe Walden and then cut them up and make them into a chain. Yeah. Which is honestly just busy work. It is. Um, while he's taking over your life. But but it's a it's a thing that, that it's all a thematic the thematic linking. <clears throat> yeah. Victim share, yeah. Um, what is Walden about again? It's about a guy living in the woods by himself for two years. And connecting with nature. There's mm-hmm. lots of things about connecting with nature, self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think there's a, a you know, pointed thematic link there? <laughs> I don't know if it's a pointed thematic link. Yeah, or a convenient one. I've actually... So what he, the director said is that there is somewhat, but not mm-hmm. as strong as one might think. Mm-hmm. He used it because there is a connection to nature... There were certain passages he thought were thematically fit, but overall, mm-hmm. he thought the book um, was plain enough and obscure enough that he could use it in, in the movie without mm-hmm. without too much <coughs> meaning being ascribed to right. it. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's just my interpretation. Uh, but yeah, I like, guess book's boring. Yeah, people won't get it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. throw it <laughs> or, in there. It's not that people won't get it, but people <coughs> don't. People don't see the book and immediately go, ah, <coughs> right. Any, anything mm. else that like so it sounds like you read you read a, uh, an interview with Shane Carruth about the yes. movie. What anything who plays the the other male victim? Yeah, he, we didn't the, mention that. Second. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the male protagonist in the he, film. He does yeah. have a, a much. I, I guess it's a, a role of equal prominence to Primer, but yeah, he's not. He's not a pro. I would he's not an that, antagonist. Yeah, in this I would movie. argue yeah. the story isn't necessarily about him. Yeah. the way it is in Primer. Yeah. Um, so it's made, and he doesn't have to actually act as much, which helps. Yeah, <laughs> he's a better director. He is. Um, were there any other surprising things that really stood out to you from the the interview, though? Um, Anything that you you saw in the film that he kind of contradicted, or it's because he does have a very clear point of view of what he wants you to get across in the film. Uh huh. Which is interesting because he makes, from what I've heard, he makes, he he's a, he was an engineer before mm-hmm. he started becoming a director. And it, I think in his nature, he makes puzzle, like his films are puzzle-like. Uh. But he hates when people focus on the puzzle. Because huh. apparently people were doing QA with, with him and they were talking about Primer oh. and how there's it's an obsession of all these people to figure out They're which timeline ma- is what. Mapping out all of the crazy oh, yeah. And he hates that because he's, he's like, well, you're missing the point of the film. Which is kind of the, the deep confusion around the, right. this, this concept. Or... And so I'll go and I'll state my, my only criticism of Upstream Color uh-huh. is that... He, as a filmmaker, is more... He uses his characters as chess pieces instead of wholly-fledged characters. There are ways to get to themes and metaphors and not fully-fledged-out human beings. They're not... They they don't have a a great degree of... of, um... Well, let's see. They're not multifaceted. And he's not interested in, like, exploring their lives so much. So instead of um, taking... Instead of... In the in the way and, that we are describing this, like there's the, yeah. the sampler, the, right. the thief, the, the yeah. everyone's yes, everyone's a representation of something grander. Right. Bishop, so instead of having your themes be explored through your character's actions, your character's actions are a way to explore your themes, which to me as a filmmaker is not the way I prefer. Wait, isn't that the same thing? Uh, I think you just said the same thing. The way let me, let me hold on. <laughs> we'll try he, again. He. So the way he gets to his themes is by using his characters. Uh-huh. They're merely puppets for what he, the themes he wants to explore, as opposed to the themes coming out through characters, um, through what they do and who they are. Hmm. He's not so. He's. I don't think he's so interested in that so much. Because I was thinking about like these two, the two main characters. You never. We never get details into how post trauma, how they are really surviving like we just honestly i would have a hard time believing that these characters would be able to function after such an event yeah. after such an event and the way they acted i was like how can they hold down jobs or anything like this stuff yeah. like having been through that but he's not really interested well, in that i i would argue um that's actually what happens in life after you're raped Ooh. you have to keep living yeah um or but you end we don't up get keep to living. see that struggle it's and just got, you, we skip past it and quickly. we don't yeah I mean it's we as people who live in the world and who have not been affected by sexual assault 
don't see that struggle. Yeah. Right. But this what film is, addresses it and then just skips it over very quickly. It just gives you these like bullet points of their lives. Well, I, I think in a way, though, the whole film is really about her... I mean, it's taking revenge on maybe the cycle of evil, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's, it's like not a, about one person doing a bad thing. It's it, about a systematic structure. Yeah, and 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 about destroying that structure. I mean, and that that is Power wow. Fist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, good. You got there, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, which you know, it's it's the whole thing. It's like break the cycle. Um, you know, basically say no, put your foot down. Like at some point, but but that's really where the where maybe my, it's not really a problem with it, but it's just sort of, it, it brings into question the nature of causality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was, it was, nature itself is just this sort of combination of a bunch of, well, if you talk to Stephen Wolfram, programs, for, for lack of a better term, of um, contingencies working together in a given way and kind of playing themselves out. That given a sufficient degree of recursion in these in neural networks and so forth, you start to get levels of intelligence and empathy and emotion and then and then the ability for evil. Um, I think one of the distinguishing factors is sort of the pigs themselves are victims as mm-hmm. well that they are they are capable of emotion mm-hmm. they are capable of, of the same sort of psychological connection. Yet they are not capable themselves of the sort of agency required to break the chain. That's, that's right? actually a good point. Um, so he, that's he actually the director mentioned. Does he? One of the reasons he chose pigs is because they, for a lot of reasons, are the most human-like when it comes to They're useful the, human analogs and doing tests on right, workbusters. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and but, pretty much everything else. They can share. <laughs> they can share the most parasites between the two, mm-hmm. and that's why he chose like because the, the the worm would fit in both oh, yeah. of them. And we love eating them. Now, I don't know if I agree with... I do love eating pigs. I yeah. <laughs> Although I've been struggling del- with that lately. Um, not pigs in general, but... Make room I've had for to, daddy. I've had, I've, had to ad- I've had to address my carnivorous nature recently, but that's another show. Oh, re- is it? Uh, maybe. I'm yeah, still I'm in the early stages. Let's it's, save that It would be another show if I ever get to a point where I'm, I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that I understand what's in my brain yet. Ooh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> Teaser for a potential episode that might never happen. There you go, audience. Kevin might come out as vegan. Hey. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> or maybe not vegan, but... Vegetarian. Questioning. Aware. Yeah. yeah. Aware is probably what I'll end up being. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so he does... That was a very intentional there, yeah. choice And, I, and there is this... I, I There is very... I think there's this notion of... Breaking the cycle of what and figuring out what affects us. Like mm-hmm. there's these unknown, there's these unknown forces that, um, whether it's biology, whether it's nature, nurture, mm-hmm. what changes us, how we act. Sometimes, because how much in control are we of ourselves, mm-hmm. and what forces act um, act upon our personality. Oh, how is it that um, I forget how how is she chosen? How is Chris initially chosen? She's as, at a bar at the right time. She, yeah, she just happens to be at the bar yeah. as he's looking. Like for... this is this is that mini montage of him trying to get somebody <clears throat> right. He's like going around like waving pills, trying yeah, to get somebody to, get to take, him. take him, and but eventually, and eventually he gives up, and so he just accosts her. Yeah, hmm. and that's a, that's another element of that that sort of randomness of just like mm-hmm. there's there's no reason mm-hmm. behind why it was her. Right. There's can no, I. Can I tangent? Have you all seen the movie Rubber? Yes. No. That movie uh, is stupid, stupid, stupid. I don't really. I, I, okay, I continue. Don't, Sorry, I you used the magic care. phrase "no reason." That I just, oh, no reason. Yeah, that's right. That movie makes me just oh. want to hit things. <laughs> Mostly see, the director. I'm of assuming Rubber. you. I was say, don't see Ron then. Oh no! I, uh, I'm never going to see another movie by that guy again. I actually, I liked. Um, I liked. I didn't hate Rubber. I thought it was interesting. Wait, okay, so it's about a it's about a killer tire. No, it's right? not. Well, it's not. <laughs> there it's, is a killer tire in it. There's a killer tire in it, and then it's he does this meta thing it's where it's not about anything. He does this meta thing. He does this meta <laughs> thing where he has um he has an audience watching the movie Rubber. Okay. And they're in the desert with binoculars watching everything happen. Then eventually the audience watching everything happen gets involved and they start dying, getting killed. It's um, I don't, I I'm always I'm always interested in people that play with the form. Mm-hmm. 
Whether it's a complete failure or it not. Was. <laughs> it was a complete failure. I would not agree. I would not agree it's a complete failure. I would not. I, I mean, I didn't like. I would never buy this film. I would never. Yeah. It was never going to be in my top 20 of the year. But I'm always curious, just like Enter the Void. Like, I'm, I'm just fascinated with people that play with the form of the medium that I love. No, fi- yeah. Film. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Did you back Pendulette's movie? Because I think you would enjoy it. Uh, the documentary about the guy that can paint veneer. No, yeah, no, different movie. Tim's Sorry. Veneer. Oh, no, I want to see or, that. Or Tim's, uh, no. Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer. No. Tim's, Ver- Tim's Vermeer. Actually, I, yeah. looks, um, I, 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 I would like to see it. Brief digression, though. That's that's fucking awesome. You've seen it? Uh, no, I, yeah. I listened to the interview with Tim uh, and, about his about that and, and like uh, how he came up to uh, that. Point. Pen, which I never get to hear the guy's voice, so that was interesting. Yeah, uh, Teller. Teller. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, you're clearly not a Penn and Teller fan because I've heard Teller's voice countless times. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. I, he talks yeah. a lot more than you expect him to. <laughs> um, in the stage show, in many episodes He of talks in bullshit. the stage show? Mm-hmm. I thought he wasn't allowed to talk in the stage oh, show. Oh, he does. Um, you just don't know it's him at the time. Oh. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are, depending on what tricks they do in any particular given night, there's almost always a point in the show where he talks. Um... He talks in bullshit a few times. Uh, not every episode, but more than once. As a voiceover? No. Um, as I've seen yeah. all the episodes of bullshit. I don't remember him talking. Um, there's definitely one where... And you might have to cut this, Stephen, because it's going to get a little sexually explicit. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're doing an episode on like sexual healing or something like that. Yeah. And there's a vagina puppet. Oh yeah, and he holds it in front of Teller's face and goes like this while Teller talks. Just oh, <laughs> just just yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and Teller's actually speaking of that. Um, oh. If you ever seen the movie Penn and Teller Get Killed, he talks in that. Um, there is there's a really good video. I think it used to be on YouTube um, where he talks explaining how magic tricks work. Okay. Um, not just any a magic trick, but more in general how they work. He does a, a, a trick making coins girl, appear. Girl Scouts got you. Woo! Yeah, the Girl Scouts got me. <laughs> um, he does a trick making coins appear um, out of air and then dropping them into a bucket. Okay. Um, and then he talks about like what he does throughout that fi- about that trick and how he plays with audience expectations and that That's cool. he makes you think it's one thing and then he changes what that thing is and so it's like oh he's doing this. Huh. But then he does something to subvert that and go, oh, and that's where those magical shocks come mm. from. So yeah, anyway. But what, yes, what he movie also, were we talking about in the beginning? Uh, we were first talking about a movie called Director's Cut, which Pendulette just okay. funded on Fund Anything, which is a not Kickstarter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think you would like, regardless of being a fan of Penn or Teller. I am. Um, which you should be, because Penn mm-hmm. and Teller are awesome. Disagree with their politics, but eh, the, yeah. that's fair. They're still really cool people. Um, I disagree with them on other things, mm-hmm. but. Penn plays the bad guy, but the movie starts out as, and this is all like public knowledge, so I'm not spoiling mm-hmm. anything. If you if you look up the movie, this is what they talk about. The movie starts out as a B horror detective thriller, kind of in the vein of Seven or mm-hmm. um, not really Zodiac because that had a different feel to it. Um, but that sort of idea of you know there's a serial killer on the loose and we got to hunt him down. Yeah. And it starts out as this movie, but there's this director's commentary running under it the whole time as part of the main film. Um, nice, I like it already. And so, right? <laughs> um, and so it's this, but it's this, it's this really weird sort of director's commentary. This guy talking about it, um, about how he made the movie and his star actress. And I'm, I'm talking, so I can't eat this cookie, mm-hmm. but I really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna go fast. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, other things start getting cut into it. And we start to realize that the guy doing the commentary under this whole thing is actually a serial killer who's hunting the actress in this movie. <laughs> and so he kid- and he thinks he's making his own movie. And so he ends up trying to kidnap her and torturing her. And this is all footage in the film. And we eventually see him as he becomes part of the film. Nice. All still while this director's commentary is going underneath it. <laughs> um, and very, sort of him explaining it. Yeah, and, 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 and so Penn wrote the movie. Wow. Um, and it's playing the bad guy. Adam Rifkin is directing it. Okay. Who's probably most well known for his movie Look. Which was fil- filmed as if entirely from the perspective of security cameras. Hmm. I have not seen um, it. I haven't seen it, but it's a neat idea. Hmm. Um, and it's sort of about sort of the, all these cameras that are around us all the time. Hmm. The movie's called Look. Yeah. Which is really hard to Google. So if you Google Adam Rifkin look, you'll yeah. find it way uh, easier. Okay. Um, 
But as as a fan of Pendulette and yeah. and and of interesting movies that play with the form, keep an eye on it. Yeah, okay. I gave him a not small amount of money um, to to help fund the film. Hmm. That's cool. Um, it was sort of my it was a a gift to myself at the time because I backed <laughs> it. I backed it one of like normally if I backed it, I was like, yeah, okay, that'll get the movie. I'll give him that. Yeah, um, but I backed it up. Higher amount um, <laughs> to get some extra cool stuff uh-huh. um, because I really wanted to make the movie. Yeah, but did he write you a personal thank you note? Um, no, <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know what I will be getting. Oh, hmm. um, the 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 tier was, and so now you'll be able to look it up and see how much I gave him. <laughs> um, was Penn's favorite things, oh. and he goes, "This is going to be a grab bag of awesome stuff huh. that I love." But I'm not going to tell you what it is first. You're going to get the movie, and you're going to get a poster, and you're going to Blu-ray and all that sort of stuff. But the important thing is, I always give more than I receive. So the value of this stuff will probably be more than you give me. Huh. Um, nice. Is sort of the implication there. Mm-hmm. Um, or he's, you know, I always like to surprise people and give more than they expect. So I don't mm. know what I'm going to get, other than a copy of the movie and some mm-hmm. other stuff. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. Mm. Well, okay. Well, since we're on the like form of film, uh-huh. Upstream Color does a very good job of breaking. Um, Kevin hasn't seen. Have you seen Terrence Malick's Malick film? Oh yeah. What film? Um, I saw um, Tree of Life. Tree of Life and okay. the the more recent one. Um, oh, the I when, thought Tree of Life was his recent one. No, no there, he, he did one with Ben one Affleck. More. You watched that for movie night? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of it, but yeah, I've I've seen those two, and haven't seen Thin Red Line yet. I, kinda, I have I not either. Kind of want to. Isn't that one with uh, Mark? It Hamill? has like a, yeah, like everyone's in that film, like jo- huh. John Travolta. There's a, there's really? a fun story about Mark Hamill in that, not in that movie, but uh-huh. if you are familiar with the move or the book, not the movie World War Z, mm-hmm. there is a audio adaptation of it that's a full cast production uh, it's an abridged version but it's got a lot of really famous actors in it huh um and max brooks i saw him speak once is the son of mel brooks and so he's like very connected to hollywood uh-huh. um but told the story of how he got mark hamill to do one of the scenes one of huh. the voiceover bits for it um and he it was basically my mother had taught me his mother um mm-hmm. you know the, the wife of mel mrs brooks, brooks. Right. mrs brooks um, told me a trick, which is you know, don't tell an actor that you love the thing they're famous for. Oh yeah, because that's not why they, that's not usually what their favorite piece is. Yeah, find the thing that that actually means something and probably means something to them, mm-hmm. um, and and talk to them about that because most people won't do that. You know, Mark right. Hamill, I love you as the Joker. Mark Hamill, you're amazing in Star Wars. They've heard that their entire life. Oh yeah, and so he called up Mark Hamill because he can do that because he's Max Brooks. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, look, you, you, you were in The Thin Red Line, and you did this scene. I want you to basically, like, I loved you in that. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this audiobook, and I would love for you to play basically that character mm-hmm. again for this narration. Uh, um, nice. And he did. And he was like, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This actually so works. This is true. Okay, so oh. I ha- I met Jack, Jack Black. Yeah. Walking. Is he, is he a pretty cool through- guy? Uh, was really yeah. He seemed pretty laid back, cool. okay. and I mentioned Margot at the wedding, <laughs> which is probably like one of the. He hasn't done a lot of serious films. No, uh-uh. and this was like one of the serious films, and that's all. That's actually automatically my mindset. If I'm going to talk to an actor, I don't yeah. want to. One, I gotta be. I, I part of it's me being vain. Like I'm a film nerd. I've seen you in this. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of me showing off uh-huh. partially. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, I think that's. True, like they want to, yeah. like, oh wow, you saw that it, because that's it's awesome. at least something different. That's something yeah. he yeah. obviously chose that role. Yes, it's a Noah Baumbach film. Uh, uh, has Nicole Kidman and yeah, he did it because he wanted to, people. not because yeah. right, not because it was going to make him. A he bunch wanted to of try money. something oh, different yeah. and expand his craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, anytime you bring that up with an actor, you'll probably have an automatic in with them. He was huh. like very friendly and like very happy that I mentioned it. Ah, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, upstream I, color. Upstream so, color. so I don't, I don't know if there's any any sort of overarching thing with this. So it's no, it's, it's a very, it's a very well made film. Seemed to convey an idea consistently to all of us. I, I probably didn't get it as clearly as as you did, Kevin, the first time through, and it's becoming more clear as I mm. kind of think back on it. I'm it like, is, oh yeah, that's definitely. And, and I read more after, and it mm-hmm. like crystallized afterwards. Yeah. 
I think when I when I first saw it, I got most of it, and I I sort of I, I, I was sort of at the end. I was like, I think I get what was happening. There. I think the questions you're left with are. Because I, I won't say I understood every single thing perfectly the first time I watched it, but I got yeah. it, I got the important parts, and I think the questions that you're left with are questions that it's okay not to answer. Yeah, um, you know, talking sort of about primer, people had to go, they had to sit back and go, wait, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then they, there was that desire to figure it out whether right or wrong or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the same thing apparently happened in Inception, which didn't make any sense to me no. because Inception is an incredibly straightforward narrative. Yeah. I never um, got why people were confused about that one either. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I watched it like and was they, like... Just the going inside that, the... the yeah. The, it, it's, they it's up and down the very early. They, yeah. they establish it very early. These are the rules that we're going to play by. Yep. And then they play by those rules. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. yep. Like, I'm sorry if you can't imagine two things happen simul- happening simultaneously. Or four yeah. things. <laughs> or four things happening simultaneously. Like, that's yeah. how much work for you? At, well... At, at different levels of... Um, yeah. Of activity, yeah, but different levels still, of whatever, yeah. different levels of dream world. <laughs> so, I, but <laughs> so, yeah, the questions at the end of it that I think you walk away from are not necessarily what just happened sort of questions. Uh-huh. What what I felt at the end of Primer, mm-hmm. um, what I felt at the end of Rocky Horror Picture Show, but for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> um, I was trying to think of a better, of a different example, but that was what came to mind. I'm just like, what just happened? Um, yeah. <laughs> As a statement. <laughs> but no, those sort of those sort of puzzle movies. Yeah. Um, that exist. Clue. <laughs> Clue. They kind of explain they to you explain what, it what just three happened. times. Yeah. <laughs> just if you watch the current version. Right. Uh, we already we already read, referenced that in the we last did. episode. We did. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. um so so yeah, and and maybe it, it shows a a maturity of sorts in, mm-hmm. in Shane Carruth's film. Oh, it does. He's still pretty I, young. He's like um, late thirties, mid late thirties, uh, maybe. Yeah, late thirties feels sounds right for some reason. Yeah, I think he made Primer when he was in his late twenties. Yeah, because he's already been. He was an engineer, I think, at a phone company or something, huh. and then decided he had like the famous amounts, like seven thousand dollars, is what he made. My God. Before. Oh yeah, I know, um, I know a guy who. Knew Shane Carruth while he was making Primer and like hung out with him. Um, like they weren't close friends, but they were right. in the same. But circle. he's probably in the like the party scene or something. Uh, I don't think he's in the scene, but uh-huh. he he talked about like being there when they filmed one of the scenes at the at the U-Haul, mm-hmm. like or the sto- yeah. self storage place. He's yeah. like, yeah, I was there when they filmed that. Uh-huh. Um, just like hanging out, like right. just you know, hanging out because my friends are making a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I'm sure it was that laid cool. back too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God. Um, and it's in. He does make. He is very good. And certain directors do this, like Terrence Malick. We brought that up. Yeah. So Terrence Malick does. He doesn't make coherent narrative films. He makes, like, films, a mosaic film. Yeah. Films that have moments of a life, and these moments are meant to mean a lot more than they are. Yeah. Um, the difference between Terrence Malick and Shane, um, Shane is that. Shane goes a lot faster. Like his moments are much more sped up. <laughs> yes. Terrence Malick will sit on like a blade of gla- grass, wafting in the wind for several like a minute, two yeah. minutes. Um, Shane's not is patient and wants to just give you this quicker mosaic and yeah. kind of explore these themes at a much more rapid pace. Because his films actually so far, I mean, he's made two. They're both about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. They're yep. both short, especially when Terrence Malick films are like two and a two, half. Two to and a half, yeah, yeah. So, so in the, in a way that that shows it shows discretion. That shows a certain amount of efficiency. Yeah, there but, is, but also maybe a more. Um, I mean, it shows an engineer's yes desire to kind of get to the point. I think it is. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there is a difference. Like Terrence Malick's not an engineer. Uh, it's. He, he's an artist, right? <laughs> um, I guess if Terrence Malick was an engineer, he'd be more like Shane. So, yeah. So I, I, I hadn't really thought of it in that in that way before. But... It is. You're right. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Because they're very, very efficient. Like Primer is a very constructed film. Um, His films are very constructed. Like you're and, meant and to see. Upstream what you're meant color to see. is less. Oh, so, I would argue it's still very it's constructed. Still very constructed, still very um, constructed. Um, but to a different goal. Yeah. 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 And with maybe a little bit more focus and 
I don't know. I, I think uh, a little more maturity, a little more, more maturity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, very interested. I hope somebody throws money at him and gives him a chance to make something else because I want to see. Yeah. I think I think he'll do all right. I think he's doing yeah, he's doing okay. I mean, I he, mean like... he went from seven thousand dollars on Primer to like a hundred thousand dollars on Upstream Colors. Well, so. yeah. over but that's nine years. Most most filmmakers get to make a lot more films in nine years than he does. Uh, yeah. So uh, well, I mean, there's there's different kinds of filmmakers too. How much is, well, so... he was he was struggling to get this film yeah. raised for. Well, him. I think this is a hard one to sell. It is. Yeah. I think all I'm going to make a movie that's... about parasites and pigs. And people. <laughs> yeah, and... it's about the circle of life, but not but the not the Disney. one you're thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Martin Scorsese, I think, was mentioned that he thinks he's one of the most exciting filmmakers out right now. Huh. And I, I mean, for new filmmakers, I would agree with that. He's one of the. I'm always, like I said, always in favor of people pushing the boundary of the medium of what film can do as a medium. Yeah. Speaking and of Scorsese, mm-hmm. I've yet to see a Scorsese movie that I really liked. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Which I, 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 that occurred to me recently. Even uh, did you did you see Wolf of Wall Street? I haven't seen Wolf of Wall. I, I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't seen oh. a lot of Scorsese. I've seen. You should watch more Scorsese. Um, uh, apparently, you but, should watch Wolf of what, Wall Street. What is uh, Buddha Bukundun? He did a movie about the Buddha. Oh, yeah. which was actually very well done. Really? Yeah, Kundun. I think. Kundun, yeah. Yes. Um, actually, like I said, I've not seen a lot of the big names uh, Scorsese. I saw um, the one on the island, Shutter Island. I saw. I saw The Departed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, neither one of me like those are not yeah you're and, watching, and that's what I've been told and that's what I've been told it's like watching you're watching Scorsese. Scorsese and yeah. he's like you're watching the wrong Scorsese I'm like oh okay but those are the ones I've seen I'm kind of going I don't see what all the big deals I mean you need yeah. you, have, you need to go with Goodfellas yeah. you need to go I like The Departed though uh, I mean I enjoy The Departed too it's not his best film no. I mean, he won an Oscar because the way the Oscars work is it, <laughs> it's like, what did we snub you on last time? Yeah. Okay, we'll make up uh, for it. It's time for you time. to get an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you make? Well, I guess we'll give you one for that. I guess we should we should briefly. I mean, we gotta get we too. gotta get you in here before you die. So, yeah. departed. Sure, there you go. Yeah, that was the last movie you made. <laughs> so, um, upstream color domestic gross four hundred forty four thousand. <laughs> yeah, not a lot. And what did it cost? Does it have a budget I, on there? I don't. It doesn't have a budget. Uh, box office mojo. Yeah, I'm on box office. Yeah, yeah a lot of times you don't. They yeah. will keep. A lot of times budgets are kept secret unless they're yeah, bragging about it. Yeah. So if it was a hundred thousand or whatever we speculated, then yeah. Well, you're not. The problem with also when you start getting into budgets, there's what the production budget is. There's and then and there's, there's the marketing. promotion, oh. which and is honestly, one thing I like that Kevin Smith has done. You, you've seen you saw what he did with Red State, right? Yeah, he yeah he went and he, basically he, shop. He promote he made made the movie for four million dollars, and then promoted it for nothing. Wow. Um, he didn't do any mainstream like he didn't do any ads, didn't do any press. Um, he went on talk shows for free and talked about mm. his movie. Right. Mm. Um, and so and he put in the man hours. But he, he was like, like he has a podcast. He has mm-hmm. he I mean he does a well he's got a, he's got a built an audience right like there's people who will see every Kevin Smith movie regardless. I count myself amongst that group, not even having liked necessarily all of his movies, but I will probably. Chance <laughs> Island Bob. <laughs> you didn't like Chance Island Bob Strike Back? No, that's because it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was pandering to his fan base a little bit too much, which he was kind of pulled back totally. from. <gasps> but I'm totally going to see Tusk when it comes out. Like I'm not even going to. Is that his hockey one? No, God, no. Um, When's ho- the hockey one coming? Uh, it's going to be a mini series. It's not going to be a movie. Okay. Oh no! Um, I've heard about it in development for like ever. It has been in development forever. No, Tusk. This is this is it's it's a terrible idea for a movie that I think will be amazing. Um, <laughs> it's based on an an actual classified ad that somebody found, <laughs> where this guy was offering free rent to live. In his house, as long as for two hours a day you put on a walrus costume and pretended to be a walrus. <laughs> um, I know. Two hours right? a day? I know, right? <laughs> I know. Um, uh. And so Kevin Smith, literally on his podcast talking to Scott Mosher, they were talking about this, laughing, having a great uh. time. And he's like, wait a minute, this would be a great idea for a movie, but like we take it to the next step and like. 
one day the guy wakes up sewn into the suit. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's forcing you to live as a walrus. And then, a first sur- <laughs> and then slowly surgically make you become a human walrus hybrid. Oh, uh, nice. Um, and he wrote the that's, film. That's interesting. He's filmed it. Like, it exists. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Elijah, I think it's Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. plays the guy. Wow. Um, I, don't, I, 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 may, I may have made that up. He, he was intoxicated. He was trying to get Elijah Wood. He may have gotten somebody else. Mm-hmm. But he filmed the movie in like two weeks. And is editing it, and is gonna and is gonna do the same sort of thing, sort of self publish it, just put it out there for as little as possible, um, because he just had an idea for a movie. But he, but he's going against sort of this idea of spending two million dollars to make a movie and thirty million to promote to promote it, it yeah. because there's, he goes, "There's no way you can make money doing that." There's a really good lecture by Steven Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. He was at like USC. He's also. A, Guy who I will watch most of his movies. Oh, I yeah. see. I'm like Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Soderbergh's mm-hmm. favorite director, but I don't. But none of his films are my favorite films. <laughs> I can see that. Um, <laughs> it's because again, Soderbergh pushes the medium of film and mm-hmm. everything he does. He's always exploring what he can do, and he's huh. a great, he is overall a great storyteller. So he's made some really like my oh god, which film do I hate with a passion of his? Bubble. But, no, I actually didn't mind <laughs> Bubble. I haven't seen Bubble. But... Um. It was the one that was like one of the very first digitally shot film, um, fully full frontal, full frontal. So Soderbergh's giving this gives a really good lecture about the state of Hollywood right now, and it's not so much production costs have gone down, but marketing costs are still extremely high. Yeah. And so even if you make your two million dollar film, like Kevin said, you have to spend thirty million to promote the damn thing. Mm. So your film has to make that much more over, and people, you know, they don't want to make, have you make thirty five million. You need to make... 60 million. You need at least. <laughs> yeah. They usually want triple their money now. Mm-hmm. So everything that gets made in Hollywood needs to make triple the money invested, including marketing. So that's why we're in the state. And and so in Hollywood... And then you get into the way because their studios are so afraid. Things that have new. already existed sell better. Yep. Yeah. So whether it's Monopoly, Battleship, <laughs> Wait a minute. The Rubik's Cube. There was a Monopoly movie? There's, There's going to be. Supposedly Ridley Wait Scott's going to make one. Wait Yeah, dude. Everything everything from your childhood will be raped and turned into oh. a film. Guaranteed. Like, it's going to be it will, it will processed. It will be hypnotized. It will have a... Every cartoon. I mean, everything will be turned into a movie. Yeah, in development, apparently. And then there will be sequels to that. Yeah. And prequels. And reboots. Wait, there's a documentary from 2010, Under the Boardwalk, the Monopoly story. No, if I'm you sure try, that's way more interesting. Type in Monopoly wow. Billy Scott or something. Shows how the cult, the classic board game has become a worldwide cultural phenomenon Except in policy color. It's a terrible color. game. It is, actually. It is a terrible game. I don't care if you play with the real rules or not with the auction rules that you're supposed to play with. It only makes it a marginally better game. Huh. It's uh, apparently very highly competitive at the international level. <laughs> it's all... <laughs> apparently, though, there, um, there's a study done. If you buy the orange properties, mm-hmm. those are the only properties you want. Like, if you get the orange properties, you're statistically extremely more likely, more likely to Not win extremely. You're slightly more well, likely yeah. to make money. <laughs> but that's like, yeah, the, there, it's the right balance between common common landing location and uh, ability yeah. to monetize the mm. the hits yeah yeah which is it's a weird it's a weird game whatever Anyways. whatever it's okay right. I mean just play acquire instead you'll be happier yeah but don't play acquire the way you think you should play acquire and then you'll probably win what that's how I do it <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played acquire have you won acquire yes I won the last time we played okay you remember no <laughs> He forgot it. Oh, uh, you blocked that out, didn't you? I, I, I rarely care. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I rarely care about winning games. Like I like winning oh, in the yeah. moment, but I don't remember like oh whether you victories. won. Or not. I don't remember who won the like everything we played at game. No, I'm, I'm batting five hundred for acquire. See, there yeah. you go. See, I don't care at all. <laughs> you don't um, quantify it, Kevin. Damn it. Who won uh, Formula Day? For you did. Oh, see? Yeah. <laughs> By like a lot. You got a bunch of lucky rolls. Because, because winning is like, it's a 10 second victory. Um, yeah. This is from Will Wheaton was talking about on, on an episode of Tabletop recently. Huh. He's like, when you play to win, when you, when winning is the important part of a game, you're only enjoying it when you win. Yeah. If you enjoy right. the game itself, it's You're winning the entire time. You are. He yeah. didn't put it quite well, like that, but it's huh. the idea. <laughs> right. Winning. Yeah. I think I'm going to buy Elder Chore this weekend. 
Cool. Rothad, I, I'm interested. Anyways, uh, we are at that point in a bad philosophy episode where we have run the out of time. Timer has dinged. Yep. <laughs> we filled up the appropriate number of enough, minutes with rambling. Woo! Enough rabbit trails have been off. Beaten. I need to see Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, you yes. do. It's a good film. And her. You really. Yeah, you her. Yeah, you By the way, her. everybody, you, there's a blog yeah. that I've started, and uh, I did a, a video about her and my reaction to it and stuff. It's pretty raw, uncut. <laughs> Honest. Except for the parts that you cut. The the part that matters was uncut. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that The emotions <laughs> are uncut. Yeah. Uh, this diamond is uncut, except for the parts that we cut off. Those parts were cut. I'll explain it in post-show. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks for coming on the episode. No problem. Thank Anytime. you. Thank you once again. Um, if you happen to be a listener in the Austin area, which... I mean, if there are any of you out there, why haven't we met yet? Because we should be friends. Um, should we? Maybe. <laughs> I'll be friends with my fans. Well, I mean, Adam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we, he, we was have he friends to you before? I don't think met? so. We okay. have we have friends who've become fans. Yeah. But I don't... The only, that's the only fan we have... Locally. That, well, like, like, I always think of Jed. Like, Jed, Jed yeah. listened to the show before he ever met me, and then we became friends. Right. Because he hated he was, me when he listened to me on the show. But he, was, <laughs> he said that to me once. Yeah. He goes, I hate you. Um, because of, like, the one episode we'd recorded at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. I just kept listening to the show and just go, man, I hate this guy. Right. <laughs> um, oh, we need to get Jed back on an episode. To be fair, I was kind of a jerk back in those days. Like, yeah. I'm, I probably still am. A little bit more so. It's just more one of those, over, like... Less self-awarely. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, I, have, I have a fun story about that I'll share in post-show yeah. um, that won't end up in the episode. So, sorry guys, we talk about all the cool stuff after you're listening. Twitter.com slash Kevson. That, that's me. You can find out all about us on uh, badphilosophy.com. Slash uh, badphilosophy. Slash badphilosophy. <laughs> I need to... I should have those meta references. Just a recursion. <laughs> Just it endlessly forwards itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> forwards to bad philosophy. Forwards, it, forwards back to bad philosophy. No, forwards itself, bad philosophy. Yeah, forwards itself to itself. Yeah. Just a recursion loop. Yep. Yep. Break your browser. Oh my god. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time you hear this, you can go to badphilosophy.com slash badphilosophy. <laughs> And, uh, of course, you can follow me online. I'm S. Torrance, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. I'm also YouTube.com slash Stephen J. Torrance. That is my new vlog. S. Torrance was taken. Uh, it was. S. Torrance, Stephen Torrance, and all my other You should have taken, taken. Uh, W. Torrance. I bet that wasn't taken. <laughs> yeah. I remember I W. Torrance. I remember W. Torrance. Ah, uh, he's my favorite. Yeah, he still is. I have cool. a web presence, too. What? You have a thing to plug? Yeah, I have a thing to plug. Plug your thing. Plug your hole. www.tinycourage.com Oh, go there. It's going to be a thing. Uh, No, wait. Well, it's not a thing. We can make something for you. We film. Okay. That's what we do. That's okay. That phrase is taken. We make things. We make your thing. We film things. Cool. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. Did you hear um, uh, Rick Perry came out today in favor of... Whoa, 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 just stop right there, and then I'll be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, awesome! It's been... (laughs) Came out today in favor of... Now, you'll be happy again. Okay. uh, The decriminalization of marijuana. Oh, really? Yeah. It was on Reddit earlier. Oh, look at that. Badphilosophy.com Yeah, that's just not working.